Welcome to Let's Get Bitchin', your go-to spot for movie wrap-ups, media reviews, and everything you didn't ask for but are getting anyway. What are you waiting for? Let's Get Bitchin'. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Let's Get Bitchin'. As always, I'm your host, Genesee Gabrielle, and this week we have an extra special guest host, which I feel like I say every week because all of my guest hosts are extra special. Uh, this week we have my almost kind of sister-in-law, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi. I wasn't sure. I was like, do I need to introduce myself? I My immediate reaction was introduce myself like for a college event, and I was like, mm. I don't people need to please know tell me please introduce yourself who are you where are you from what's your major oh yeah this is my generic college application sound um hi i'm rebecca fox i'm a current senior here at portland state university studying political science and history with minors in law and english um i'm currently engaged with plenty of activities on campus including mentorship to uh freshman students it's so nice to meet you rebecca Yes, we are you we are you acceptance into our university of bitching. I I was I'm a legacy to you. <laughs> In every sense of the word. Yes. It's actually it's super funny um when Naomi and I met I was still in my master's program and I think I I was like a year through my master's program at this point. And Naomi always jokes that I don't or that sh- sh- you know there's a thing about people dating versions of their parents, right? But she dates versions of her sisters. We have very similar temperaments. Yes. <laughs> uh, Naomi. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she's always like, she says that I'm like a planner, like Amanda. She's like both very much looking forward to and very scared for the day that Amanda and I plan a family vacation together. She's like, no one will sleep. There will not be any peace. Everything will be color coded. Amanda's intent. Amanda doesn't have a kid though, so she'll probably be a little bit less time for that. Hopefully, mm. we hope. <laughs> I know. Well, no, we'll recruit the child into planning. <laughs> Obviously, I started young. I took over my birthday party planning for my mother at age eight. Honestly, my thing is, we do run the risk of that child. If if there is cosmic justice, that child would be like Naomi, though. <laughs> like. Amanda Amanda has definitely earned that in her life, having a very sporadic child. It would not be. I feel like if you and Naomi have anything to do with it, the child will just scream. Oh, I, if I have anything to do with it, it'll be silent. I do not like noise. Mm-mm. I was allowed around to- you. I picture you like training the child with treats. Be like, Auntie Becca is here. Be quiet. And as soon as I leave, I know. The, the aloof estranged aunt that comes to visit with like presence because I'm on a single income uh, lawyer, <laughs> a, a, like single income lawyer with no children. So that's the goal. I mean, you have a plan. Yeah. So, wow. We spent like 50 minutes talking about us. Before we go any further, I want to reintroduce the official Let's Get Bitchin' listening game, which is um, because Genesee is lazy and doesn't edit out the beeps on her computer when she gets text notifications and can't figure out how to deal with her fucking mac every time genesee gets a text notification on her computer we eat a donut hole oh my mother and i developed the official let's get bitchin game and that's what it is um it's a vibe it's it's on brand that is my brand eating donut holes and being lazy yeah so we're gonna talk about bridgerton i've only watched it almost three times um 
Okay. <laughs> Good to know. You're AP Bridgerton and I'm remedial. I did watch it, but my, it's been a hot minute. I'm in so deep. And I I like re-watching things. I like re-listening to things. It's like, it's how I do things. Um, I don't, the one exception for me, like, re-consuming media is usually books. But I've watched, I've, re- I've watched, I've read like actually read not listen to the audiobook not that there's like a real difference between those two but like i've actually i've read red white and royal blue like four times mm, so I, like, yeah well we know like red white and royal blue is like my bible i'm like this is the gospel as given to us by casey mcqueston um I, i'm a bit of a binge watcher and read and listener and mm-hmm. so for me, bridgerton was like a two-day or three-day experience um, but then I won't watch it again ever. And so like, oh, yeah. I, I'm a hyper focus. I'll like hyper focus on something and then it's done. And then I'm like, what? That makes sense. I, <laughs> I get a bit obsessive. So I'm like, I'll like watch it and watch it and watch it for like a week. And then I'll stop Bridgerton. The first time I watched it, I watched the whole season in a night, mm. like not even a day, like an evening. <laughs> and oh, I didn't even hours? stay up that late. It's eight hours. It's like eight hours. Yeah. I started it probably around three in the afternoon after work and then was just that was the rest of my night. <laughs> yeah. And then I in the next day I watched there no, it took me like two to three days to watch it two more times. But part of that is because I watched it with your sister once. Mm, and she doesn't like she does yeah, she doesn't have the like it's harder for her to consume bigger pieces of media. So this I one of the things I love about Bridgerton we're gonna start with kind of like a general like what is Bridgerton if you haven't heard about it and like what we liked about it and as a period piece and stuff like that and then we'll jump jump into the spoiler shit Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll give you a warning before we do that so that if you have not watched it you can turn it off once we start getting into the spoilers um Bridgerton is a it's a period piece. It takes place in like what, 1817, 1813, London. Yeah, I believe so. It might be a little bit later than that because I think the, um, I think that the war that they're talking about, England was engaged with the United States, and I think that's already passed. And that was 1812. So I think it's like a. It might be a little further, but I'm not. Inside. It's Regency era. Okay, that's what it's called. I didn't know what to call it. Regency era. Okay, that's good to know. I like to describe it as Gossip Girl meets Pride and Prejudice. It actually, the books were written before Gossip Girl. Really? So Gossip Girl is Bridgerton. Shit! So, I love that plot twist. Yeah, I I've actually that. don't know why. I, I remember I heard a different podcast I listened to had a little bit of a talking about Bridgerton, and that was one of the things they discussed. That's so exciting. Okay, so I'm glad you brought up the books. There are eight books in yeah. this series. Um, I'm honestly considering reading them because I'm so... Ki- no, are they bad? I don't know. Like, obviously, I haven't read them. But, like, you know they're old. They're not going to be spicy the way you want. That's true. Like, and- sure, I'm sure they're spicy because they are... I, I'm imagining, given the importance of the plot lines that we will discuss right. later, that they would have to be a little bit spicy. Right. But... They're all going to be heterosexual. Like- also, that they are. They, yeah, I know that. And so many of the characters in the show have like queer undertones. Oh yes. Um, and I know that that's not the case in the books, so that's disappointing. 
I was kind of confused because I didn't know when I watched the show at first that it was based off of a book. And the premise of the books is that there's one book for each of the eight Bridgerton siblings. So the show just follows um, the oldest daughter. She's not the oldest Bridgerton child, but she's the oldest daughter, Daphne. Um, And it follows her through her first season on the market as an eligible debutante um, being courted off basically and so it follows her finding true love and each of the eight books follows the eight bridgerton siblings through finding true love and i was kind of confused at first because i i mean i got that it was named after her bridgerton but i was like why is it named bridgerton and not like daphne because it was all about her the whole first season is all about her but i guess the idea is that in the future if they do more seasons she won't be the focus one of the other siblings will be Yes, that's one of the things that initially took me by surprise when I did, I did a little bit of research because I was like, okay, like what is going to happen in these? Because I, I don't know if there's a Bridgerton 2, if I will be like the first in line to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had, and also because I was Googling if any of them were gay, they're not. Um, <laughs> and so I had to double check my sources. Right. And I was very confused by the presence of these other siblings that I don't care about yeah I do also like that a bunch of the the Greek the uh Greek mythology in their names we have Hyacinth Mm -hmm. and Daphne both lovers of Apollo and there's some weird there's some weird things in there with the idea of Daphne from Greek mythology is like pursued uh by Apollo I think to like the point where I think she's the one that turns into a tree oh um and she to, to escape her suitor and so I thought that was a very interesting parallel with Daphne and her yes. dynamic with multiple suitors that she doesn't want to marry and Simon so I was very interested um when I saw that there was another one with her weird brother that is super neat that was part of why I was excited when I heard that you had watched Bridgerton and that you liked it because I was like I figured you would be perfect to talk about it because you're much more informed and to history than I am. Um, You're actually a history minor, right? That's one of your minors. Double major, double minor. Double major, double. So, oh, so is one of your majors history also? Yeah, it's history and political science. Minor is in English and law. Okay, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, because I knew knew you had a double major and you had minors. I also had a double major with political science, but mine was economics. Yes. man uh, you majored in uh male zodiac signs uh i did yeah (laughs) and then i got my master's in public administration (laughs) more like bullshit season uh i have a lot of feelings about that but economics are important to bridgerton that's actually a very important underlying factor with the sessions of wealth and yes especially how it limits women during the regency era of england mm-hmm. absolutely yeah they're all the all of the characters that we follow are very wealthy um and not just wealthy the wealthy but affluent they're all like very important members of society and they're all like tied to the queen so they all interact with the queen a lot which is really interesting <laughs> this show um is a part of shondaland yes so i think that's important like talking about the books 
and um, how they changed when they went to the the TV, and which I think is a really positive change, is that um, they the production of the show was influenced by Shonda Rhimes and um, therefore has a very diverse cast. Um, I'm really interested. Do you know if in the books, the, do you know if Simon was written black? Everyone was white. Everyone was white. That's yes. kind of what I figured because in the show, they don't really mention race being a problem. They make a slight nod to it once, yes. um, but it's very, very subtle very very subtle um and it's like oh that was a problem in our past and it's all better now <laughs> i was hoping they were going for like a who is it? it's like roger and hammerstein cinderella moment where mm -hmm. they like had blind casting and you had brandy as cinderella and like Whoopi goldberg and whitney houston like i almost wish they'd done that instead of introducing this weird like well because okay queen charlotte they're basing off of a real queen right um, Queen Charlotte's the Mecklenburg's Streets, who is the wife of uh, King George III. Mm -hmm. Though they are dealing with a time where this, the current king they are showing would be King George IV. He was dead by 18, like King George oh. III was a mad king, but he would have been fully dead. Got it. So um, they're doing, and because that queen really was rumored to be um, of African descent in some way. Oh, that's um, It's unlikely that she was presenting nearly as like, Right. Uh, black as she is in the show which like we love but there was some historical basis for it but she definitely did not integrate the court in any way uh she was uh actually not a great queen but it is she is who charlottesville is named after oh that's super interesting well that's that's good i'm glad that you like actually read the fucking wikipedia for the book because no, I, I, this is just things i know what the hell becca how do you know this shit Jesus fucking Christ. I I got a useless fucking major in economics. All I can do is is talk to white men at fucking dinner. Oh, they don't want you to talk. They don't. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even do that. Something that going into Bridgerton that I did know, and I think this is like in the synopsis on Netflix, is like it says that it takes like a feminist slant to this period, the Regency period. Um and these stories of these really affluent families um and something so when i went into it i had thought it was kind of going to be like dickinson um dickinson is an apple original show um it's like on their apple tv plus thing and i watched the first season of that the second season part of it is out but they're like releasing it in increments so i'm waiting till it's all out and then i'll watch season two but um dickinson totally i feel like escapes from the the period that it's in i mean like not technology wise technology wise they're like in the right time zone but they like the soundtrack is like hip-hop music and the the kids use like modern slang like we would now like they they say things are lit and shit like that and they throw parties they're really fancy parties but they still like throw parties and um they're talking like the dickinson is a lot more like mentally out of its time zone and everybody's fucking everybody and there's lesbian yeah, sex and dickinson. dickinson yeah whereas in um bridgerton they're the men are fucking around but the women are not and if they are they're outcasts and mm -hmm. there's the like well at least to my knowledge the way that they talk is like 
on brand for the time. Yeah, that it's, if it's, not, it's not startlingly so that yeah. it's, it, 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 it appears what I think people would have sounded like at that time. I don't know if it's accurate. Exactly. Yeah. And they do. And they, they, the traditional dancing and like the rules of courtship, like you have to be supervised. Um, and then, and, and all of that good stuff. Something I found interesting is that the Duke who is um, Daphne's like love interest. And that's something you can tell from like the trailers. They're like, it's that setup. Um, he, I guess feminist is the word that you would use to describe him in relation to like that era. For that era, he was probably pretty, pretty feminist, I guess. I don't know. He was like, or progressive for his time. I get, I think that's a better way to put it. Yeah, I think he does some amounts of that. But I don't know. I don't like to give men credit. Um, and there were feminists at the time. Like, we're working within the realm of, like, Mary Wollstonecraft. And that is true. For me, it's hard to, like, I'm like. No, that is super true. Progressive men that treated women terribly. Aaron Burr was a noted one. He would, like, he discussed how smart and, like, wonderful and well-learned his daughter was while in the same breath talking about, like, what an idiot his wife was. And so I think men in I don't give much credence to men who treat women well when they are attracted to them. Mm. And we hardly ever see Simon interact with women that he is not attracted to. That is very true. I think that's an excellent critique. Um, and I, that is something that I will say for all the male characters. Um, and I think part of it is just like the period that they're representing. They're mm. all shitty. Oh yeah. And it's definitely recognized within the show. It's not yes. like the show doesn't know that they're being sexist because it does, but that's, it's a part of the the narrative yes. in me struggling against the institutions around her in the very institution that she had been at the center of as like the ball of the, what is it? It's the diamond of the season. Or yes. whatever. Yeah. She's the incomparable. Yes. Incomparable. Yes. Um, which I love. I love the like drama around her being the incomparable. It's so fun. But something I really appreciate about the show, there are a few things. And one is just super like general. I love the length of them. I have a hankering for large pieces of media that I can just like go through. And there are eight episodes for Bridgerton each for this for the first season. And each episode is at least an hour long which is ideal for me. They're like little mini movies. I'm like, yeah. there are eight. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have to like sit here and watch. The other night I watched like three X-Men movies. I have a problem. I literally, I just work all day until about three or five. Um, some evenings I work, but when I don't, I'm just, and I haven't been sleeping again. So I'm just sitting here. Media time. Media time. <laughs> Making podcast content. Valid. I joke that I am I had at least seven podcasts that are only for audiences of my friend as I like just chat into the voice audio message I'm like I have a hot take hold on um it's it's a podcast with a audience of one about that. whatever I currently am interested in we have a steady like five five listeners hell yeah hell yeah I don't know who they are other than your sister um who's <laughs> who lives with me so she's completely biased she's marrying into this shit she's like, um, I have and i'm related to her so like she she can't fucking escape that she would have if she could have yeah 
Yeah. No, this, I mean, I don't know how everyone else is going to feel about this, but Naomi will be able to like listen, listen in her car ride and be like, hey, it's two of my favorite people on this planet. It's like, be like, hey, it's Rebecca <laughs> complaining about men and her great tradition of having done so. Yeah, I love it. I mean, I hate men too, but like you do it with so much more style. Well, you have the unfortunate condition of still being attracted to them. God, that, don't I know it. That's not, that's not, so, that is key to my, um, my views upon this show later. Um, but it goes into a little bit more of the spoiler territory. Yes. Yeah, so that's fair. That for a minute later. Yeah, I really feel like my identity, my identity as a pansexual woman is truth that like sexuality is not a choice because who would willingly choose to be attracted to cis men? Someone. Apparently a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's one thing that I love about the show as like a piece of media is that. And I also love that, um, well, I don't know I'd say I love this, but I appreciate the narratives that they are putting into this show. There are a lot. And we'll talk about them more when we get to the spoilers. Um, But one of them is um i feel like when we when we do period pieces particularly like this 18 early 1800s period um and we talk about like strong women we get into a territory where like they can't have love or like they can't want marriage or they can't want a certain type of role um because if you want that then you're you're giving into the status quo and then you're no longer a strong woman yeah. So like kind of the two, there are two camps, two scripts that you can fit into. You're a strong woman, you're independent, you're going to die alone, or you're a weak woman and you marry and you're unhappy with your husband. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that there's a middle ground. Yes. And I think Bridgerton found that middle ground with Daphne, in my opinion. I think that she is, for her time, a strong female character. Um, not to say that she's without her faults, because she definitely <laughs> got props. Yeah, bangs. That's her number one character. Her bangs. I know. I mean, I never style my bangs, so I'm not one to talk. They're a fucking disaster, but they're too short. Her bangs are too short. I know they were going to try to make her look like Kira Knightley in uh, Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. but literally, I was like, girl... Did you say? Did you stay up too late watching TikToks and get ideas? It's not a look, queen. The tea. As we're both, are you drinking tea or coffee? We're both sipping something. I'm not. I'm. Uh, yeah, I'm, on, I'm drinking tea. Me too. This is perfect. Yes. Okay. Sipping the tea and perfect. spilling the tea. So. Um, that's one thing that i like about it is that they they daphne's character wants to find love she doesn't just want to find a husband she wants to start a family make a home and also she wants a sort of independence um she doesn't want her brother deciding who she's who she's going to be with she doesn't want another man forcing her into a marriage which is we'll get to that we'll get to that but um she she's decided what she wants for herself and part of that i think is like in i mean it's definitely influenced by the society that she grew up in but her sister eloise who is probably my favorite character i love eloise um becca nodded for reference oh yes i'm agreeing i have i think eloise also opens the door for one of the main characters that hasn't really been spoken spoken about which is the gossip girl herself yes Uh, lady whistledown who's 
newsletter continues to spice up and cause drama amongst the uh, rich people. And um, Eloise's obsession with figuring out who it is so she can emulate this independent woman who has all this time to write and make her own money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's something very interesting in her pursuit of that. Yes. And I think that's something, another thing that makes the show so interesting is that it's not just a, a story about love. It's not just a, and it's, it's, I think like the idea of having each season focus on a different Bridgerton would be so fascinating um, because then it's not just all about Daphne and the Duke's love. It's about multiple love stories. And I think that's pretty cool, but also they, and they weaved another layer on top of that complicated mess of a plot that is already kind of cool, which is Mi- uh, Miss Whistledown. Mrs. Lady Whistledown. Lady Whistledown. Jesus. I watched it three times. <laughs> How do I still not know this shit? Yeah, Lady Whistledown. That's why. The first time, so Lady Whistledown, they introduce her in the first episode, and um, she sends out her her gossip rag yes. um, free at first, and then gets everybody hooked, including the queen. And then rakes in the dough, which I think is just wonderful economic strategy. And the true icon of this is that it's voiced by uh, Julie Andrews. Yes. Yes. Is writing her gossip rags on the side as a hustle. Um, (laughs) But obviously with that, there comes motivations of trying to expose who Lady Whistledown is, especially when so many reputations are at stake with the information she can give. Yes. There's a lot. Um, and I think on that note, we're going to jump into spoilers. Hell yeah. We're going to jump into the real shit. So um, either go watch Bridgerton now and come back after you've watched it and are ready for spoilers or buckle up, bitches, because it's time. This is not sponsored by Netflix, so we don't have to tell you to watch it. I wouldn't. So <laughs> You wouldn't I watch, watch it? it? Good. I wouldn't. <laughs> not watch it again i don't regret having watched it okay. but there's uh, it's terrible there is buy, go to the library check out a romance novel have this <laughs> like i am not a that is a personal thing i'm not a huge fan of in media is unnecessary uh sex scenes that really don't... yeah i have uh okay this actually moves into my first like hot take opinion about bridgerton go it's... go go I would, there is not much in this world that I would give up. I wouldn't give up to be able to experience this as a like married, straight, cisgender mom. Like, who, like, that would, I am like, wow, this show must have really done something for certain people because I keep reading reviews of it and I'm like, and then I have like, I don't like men. And so these, the, these like seven minute sex scenes, I am just, deeply uncomfortable and i'm like some people liked that part interesting interesting i will say i love this we have two different opinions or like perspectives so obviously i date men i dug bridgerton but what i will say i love sex scenes um and not because of the sex Sometimes when we when Naomi and I watch I maybe I shouldn't tell you this but when Naomi and I watch sex scenes together um she's like I think she gets like curious because I I, I had her watch the 50 shades of gray movie so which I won't I won't bore you I know <laughs> that's like your nightmare yeah um, not my vibe but 
I don't like them for the sex because the sex is not interesting to me, especially because they highlight a very heteronormative sex, which isn't isn't that interesting to me. It's just not. I've had enough of that in my lifetime. I'm, well, I'm over it. It's not the vibes. Um, but what I dig and what I love about media is connection. And I love when shows can harness sex scenes, sex scenes to show connection. And that is a criticism I have for Bridgerton. Well, and I think across the board, that's one of my criticisms with sex scenes. Is they're never, they're never interesting. Like it doesn't push mm-hmm. the plot a whole lot. Like Bridgerton in some sense it does, but in overall, like, there's so much more interest in the will they won't they and the lead up that it's like i don't care that they actually like slept together that is not of interest like what's interesting is like stolen glances in the ballroom yeah that's where bridgerton dropped the ball they should have done that for so much longer i feel like we had that for a while (laughs) so much better i love i love a will they won't they slow burn like i do too she should have married the other prince and then still continued to have her will they won't they with Simon. I thought that's what they were going to do. And I'm honestly glad they didn't because I would have been upset because she would have gotten ousted. It would not have ended well for her. And I would have been so upset. And then it would have been another Bolan sister sort of deal. And this is where it comes into my second hot take. <laughs> Daphne should have sucked it up. She should have gotten over herself. Listen, as a woman who thought that she was going to marry a man and just live in suffering for most of her life, and then in 2020, bitch, get it together. It's not that bad. Like, she, oh, I, Daphne Daphne has a lot of opinions for someone who's never balanced a checkbook. Like, (laughs) like, she has a lot of thoughts about who she's going to marry. She's like, I have to marry for love, mama. Love does not put bread on the table, okay? And so you marry the prince and you suffer in silence because you have a good life with money and you are safe and you're not going to like die of the plague or whatever. I do think there is something to be said for like marrying for passion versus marrying for what's best for you and I don't think that that's like love versus no love which is what the story was making it seem like. But, like, the prince, I think, I think objectively, the prince was a way better match for her. Just oh, and he was polite and kind and offered a good life. I, he was gonna move to London for her. He was the prince of fucking Prussia and he was gonna move to London for her. He, like, I, that, my opinions on her, I think Daphne has princess Ariel syndrome of like, daddy, I love him. He's a human. You don't know him, you don't know Simon. She's like, that's the thing. Okay. That's a crux of the problem of Bridgerton is we're supposed to believe that she's undeniably drawn to Simon and they're in love. And like, they ha- like there's this, un- she cares about him. She does not know him. That's a whole problem at the end of the show is that she's finding out his trauma. And I'm like, I really think that the draw for her, um, like from a character perspective was not truly love. I think that that was part of it. I think lust was part of it, which we have to fucking talk about sex i mean not like the actual sex act but like their whole relationship is okay that's another second um she's experiencing lust for the first time and doesn't understand what that is yes she is sexually attracted to him and does not know what sex is which i will put a pin in that because it gets so angry um but so there's that but also there is 
an element of seduction in being told you can't have something. And around the Duke, so many people were telling her she can't have the Duke, including herself and including the Duke. Her brother did not want her to be with the Duke. The queen did not want her to be with the Duke because the queen wanted her to be with her nephew, the prince. Um, her brother, oh, I already mentioned her brother. The Duke was convinced that he wasn't going to marry and have kids. So he didn't want to marry her because he wanted her to be happy, which confusing um and she decided from the beginning that he was like he was what did they call them it wasn't a tramp a rake oh yes they called them rakes which is my favorite thing i love that (laughs) that's just how to refer to people you meet on tinder can we bring that back yeah i picked up a lot of rakes on tinder from the dating web (laughs) the dating web yeah um it's a fucking disaster but so she was like she was anti the duke and they have a lot of witty exchanges about that and i think that was that was it for her that was the allure i take her off my lap for one second and she's digging holes in the bed you sound like um that sounds like the duke discussing daphne (laughs) and now there's problems we stop having sex now there's issues I think at the heart of my problems with the Duke and Daphne and honestly most of Bridgerton is like these characters don't really develop that much. Like Daphne, what like I don't like there's the prince I suppose goes from being like closed off and doesn't think he's worthy of love to feeling like he's worthy of love. The Duke you mean? Yeah, but that's just not compelling. Like congrats. I don't know. I, I get torn between this depiction of marriage as being for passion and for like versus marriage as a um, social contract that, and like a, yes. an important part of your life. That's right. something that um, I think they handled excellently in Little Women um, and the adaption that came out, I think, last year mm-hmm. or two. I think now it's only two years. Um, but with like um, the characters being very aware that marriage was not about love, it was about being able to provide for yourself especially as a woman without we see the pitfalls of that with um the featherington family where yes. the mother loses has no money because the shithead husband gambles it all away on like fighting rings yes. and so we see examples of how much financial um strife can cause a family meanwhile we see daphne um continuously flout the good opportunities given to her i don't know why i apparently am like someone's mean grandma in the regency time that's like you should just do what's socially responsible but i am <laughs> i majored in political science and i'm not a good person and so i'm like just literally why marry for love when you marry for- i love it because you have these two sides one of which is like hate men burn the men women only and then the other side that's like settle for the man well like listen if it's if it's what you need to you do at the heart of this is the same concept which is independence above all else and self-sufficiency and so she cannot be sufficient if she's worried about having to make like make money what would have happened to her if the duke hadn't married her yeah a ruined woman yeah wouldn't have any options so she put herself in a position where she had to be relying on men even more so than she already did because the system of her having to be like a debutante and the going to these balls to present herself Mm -hmm. for 
uh, male consumption and uh, marriage proposals, she has already locked herself into that position. And it's like, you continued, she, every door available to her, she decided that she needed to both shut and lock and leave <laughs> her with no options. It was just, I'm sorry her mom didn't teach her about sex, but her mom also sucked because she did not teach her about the value of a good man. Okay, yes. Let's talk about the sex for a second. Apparently, um, so I think we already mentioned that there were like two extremes for women. Either you were like an upstanding lady and you were ready to be married off and presented into society and you had values and you were coy and you had never kissed anyone ever. Or you were a slut yes um like like straight up like if you were a working woman they were like even the um miss delacroix the um seamstress 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 she um i don't know i don't think she was actually a prostitute but she they like because she provided for herself she was not seemed as an acceptable acceptable suitor for people and she could have as much sex as she wants because no one was going to marry her um, with all the other deviants like the gay people yes <laughs> yep. like the yeah there's one gay person on this show um which like, honestly I'm, makes sense from a distance what like one weird he like walks in on the making out right and some gay people making having out. sex but yeah. yeah i didn't remember the exact scene um but yes so there's one nod to that which is if you're gonna make people like if you're gonna be like okay cool we're gonna accept that we are in this cool post-racism society mm-hmm. why are they, why do you still hate the gays <laughs> right and it's funny because the character <laughs> the character who walks in on them gives off major gay vibes i definitely thought that's where they were going with it and i was kind of surprised that they were like no that's not what we're going with and i was like I thought he was going to fuck the dude that he walked in on. So and I don't know if you remember this part, but they address that scene in the show. Um, they're at a party and which brother walks in on them? It's the oh, second one. I could not tell these white men apart. That was a row of wheat thins. I do not know. What are their names? We're going to Wikipedia their names really quick. So no, there's Hyacinth is one. That's the youngest. That's the youngest. It's the second brother. It's the okay. second oldest. Is it? No, it's not Colin. Oh, it's no. a Benedict. Benedict. I always forget his name, which is funny because he's probably my second favorite character. So, Benedict. fun fact, um, which I didn't realize until my third watch through of the show. At the end of the season, they they nod at this when um, spoiler Daphne has a fucking baby, and they name it, and they're like, "Oh, we have to give it an A name." Um, because of the tradition. And I was like, what fucking tradition? I didn't realize they're named in alphabetical order. Oh. <laughs> That's very funny. Right? It's, it's, yeah, it's like, it's Anthony, Benedict. Anthony, Anthony Be- Benedict, Colin, Daphne, Eloise. Um, the, I forgot the, the, the sixth child her name starts with an F, I think Francesca or something. Fran- oh, Franny. she has a really weird name too. I remember thinking it's a. It's not for. I remember it's another name that's like got a history behind it. Yeah, and so she. It's so weird because, 
Um, that sister, um, Francesca, yeah, Francesca is there for like part of the first episode, and then she disappears, and then she comes back at the end. And they were like, oh, yeah. oh, she went off to piano school for the summer. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> I forgot that she, I constantly am forgetting that they have eight siblings. There, there are eight of them because I forget that she exists. Yeah. I remember when she came back, I was like, who's this lady? <laughs> like, like I said, I'm not good. At, like, I like watching TV, but I'm not good at keeping track of people. So I'm like, who's well, it's that? not just you. Cause I am good at that. And I like totally forgot the bitch. Yeah, people need to do memorable things. They want me to remember them. I I'm like, call her a bitch. She's like ten. That's when you, that's when you come to. That's when you first come to age. Is the first time you're called a bitch. So she's she. I'm sure she's past her time. Yeah. So so the the brother Benedict, um, Benedict and Eloise both give off major queer vibes. Um, I don't really know what they would be, but some somewhere on the LGBTQ spectrum. Oh, Eloise is a lesbian. Like, let's just... I really feel like she is. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I feel like she would be one that she's a lesbian, but because of her time... She... Oh, yeah. I'm so sure she's gonna marry a man. Like, yeah. that's fine. Well, but... she has her own love book, and they're not gay, so... Yeah. And her friendship with uh, the girl from Dairy Girls... So gay! No, and that's what's so confusing to me, because... Um, that actress who plays um, the youngest Featherington, um, whose name also escapes me, uh, she is a lesbian in the show Dairy Girls. So um, Penelope, that's her name. Penelope, yeah. Penelope's cool. That's also a Greek name, which I think kind of ties in. Um, Penelope is the wife of Odysseus, who when Odysseus is off in faraway lands, waits for him at home, fighting off other suitors, and who did we just see leave that she's a crush on? Colin. Colin went off and, well, she's going to stay back and be the steady one waiting for him. Like Penelope waited for her husband while her husband was a hoe off fighting the Trojan War. Can you always be on my team for family trivia night? Just I like all the time. Love but Odysseus, because yes, the, Od the Odyssey is literally about, it is literally Odysseus's hot girl summer. Damn. And so... <laughs> I have my worries for Miss Penelope and her love affair for Mr. Colin. I do too. Um, I want, I don't give a flying fuck about the Featheringtons. However, I care about Penelope's happiness. There's also Marina. The oh, yeah, but she's, I'm think. I don't think she's coming back. That bitch gone. Well, there's also, she also kind of speaks to some of the weird race thing that was going on. Yeah, it feels a little weird to have the only black fem like female main-ish character be other than the queen, pregnant woman. Yeah, well, was, that's not entirely true. There was the queen, and then there was the duke's like aunt thing, who's also unmarried. That's true. Well, no, she's married. She's widowed. Yes, and she's cool as hell. But for me, it was more like the only one we really like get to know that well, and so mm -hmm. it felt kind of odd. I, I mean, it was that's really a really good point. Her love story was compelling and it's not like she was written that way as, because she's a black character like that is like but it right. still felt when I was watching it I remember being like why did you cast the yeah she did the same thing though I was like this woman needs to be sensible she keeps being like I can't marry these men I don't know I was like girl and she was sensible in the end yeah she was well eventually when she found out she was still pregnant after I she know, so. uh, to drink a special tea um I thought she was trying to kill herself 
Oh no, I said she's I said she was eating that fetus. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. I, I was like, how and also they kept being like, oh, she's she's going to show. I was like, girl, how far along is she? There's never any like you never really know what's going because well, she has to be far enough to know that she's pregnant. Yeah. But not anyone knows for a whole like season of the balls. I'm really curious because I was under the impression that her dad sent her I don't know if her dad knew about knew that she was pregnant or not, but we know that she was there for at least a month before they confirmed that she's pregnant because they were like, Oh, you haven't been getting your cycles. Yeah. Um and so so there's that. And then they're there for the whole summer. So she's at least at least three or four months along by the end of the season you're absolutely right she should be showing like a lot yeah that's but the only sensible man in this show the man who marries her and is like i will marry yes. i was like what a sensible man listen this is the only me praising a man <laughs> strike, me, strike me down i have um, a record but <laughs> No, and for me, that was like, I think what I found so frustrating is the lack of self-preservation shown by anybody in this show. I was like, I understand you're frustrated and repressed. Welcome to the club queen. Um, but it just felt like this long, and it felt, the drama felt very young when I yeah. know they were partially trying to emulate Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. which I don't think has that vibe. Mm. And like, they even use some of the like words from Pride and Prejudice, like they use similar dialogue, like I burn for you, like they use similar themes, but then execute it in a way that comes across very young adult novel, like, ooh, and I'm like, but where are the stakes? I don't believe that there are stakes to this. Like no one has anything bad happen to them. Simon should have got shot in the duel. Like no one has their problems. I, okay, hot take, Antony, fucking sucks i want antony to have gotten shot in the fucking duel simon shouldn't have shot wyatt he should have killed the bitch and we would have averted all these problems daphne would have married the prince it would have been fine but then the problem would have been that then benedict would have been the head of the family when he's not the type he's too busy being a deviant sleeping with like an opera singer okay no no antony's the one fucking the opera singer oh, he's the one who's a- benedict does art right benedict does art Honestly, I would prefer Benedict to be the head of the family. Antony's fucking it up. They're all going to fuck it up. But I feel like Benedict will fuck it up slightly less than Antony is. You really want a fucking art major in charge of finances? Benedict should stay being the fruity second child. What did Antony major in? He's a business major. Like, (laughs) he's a business major who's like, actually, I have $50 in uh, Apple, so I think I know. (laughs) Bitcoin. it's the new yeah no you're right so talking talking about feminism yes and bridgerton they don't know what sex is yes the women who are like the pure good ladylike women what the elite the elite yeah yeah it's it's not yeah it's definitely the elite and the like you have to be elite and uphold the standards of a good lady. Yes. Um. They don't know where babies come from. They don't understand sex, sex drives at all. So one of the, Becca was talking about how one of the like primary characters, not like main characters, but like main side characters um, is pregnant. <clears throat> and 
she's like shipped to stay with the Featheringtons. Um, and so the family finds out, the Featheringtons find out, and Penelope is like, well, how did she get pregnant? And so she talks to Eloise, and they're both like, well, how did she get pregnant? And I'm like, what do you mean, how did she get pregnant? She had sex. And they thought, they were like, oh, well, she's not married. How did she get pregnant? I think they thought that, like, after you get married, the stork comes to your window and delivers you a child into your uterus. Yes. Because think- they understand pregnancy and labor. I don't think she knew what aspect of sexual intercourse would lead to pregnancy. And also, like, he must not know much either because you can still become pregnant with the pull-out method. Like, that is still a issue. Welcome to Catholicism. Oh, like, the Daphne thing? Well, well no, with, like, pre you can still get pregnant. Yeah, but we didn't. We don't know if the, the girl who got pregnant did the pull-out method, do we? Oh, I was also referring to Daphne as well. Okay. But yeah. And like Simon. Yes. I think they were just vibing. I think they thought they were going to get married. So uh, <laughs> I think that that was their general thing. But in, in general, I think there's a miscommunication of how and what part of that process. Is and in- I don't know if I thought about that too. Like, I don't know if at that time they would have known that you could get pregnant with yeah. pre-cum. Like he probably thought that pulling out was sufficient, which I'm kind of, I thought I was kind of surprised that they even thought that far. <laughs> I know. I was thinking, I just don't know what sex is, and some of them are pulling out. Like I don't get the dis. There's a disconnect. Well, I mean, like women have been birth control in its forms has existed as far back as like the Middle Kingdom of Egypt, and so what? people were aware that they didn't weren't want condoms already available. Or I don't know if available, but weren't they a thing? Weren't they no, made in like the 1600s? Women were putting things into their body that they should not have been at different points in Amer- in uh, the history of the world to keep from being pregnant. I don't know how much men, male contraceptives would have been allowed. And also they're kind of, I don't know at what point, but like, I know that that's not PC with the Catholic church still. That's true. Yeah. Condoms were not made until 1855. So actually that makes sense. They weren't around. They couldn't use a condom. And it also speaks to the fact that like, it's more than just so we, if we're done talking about contextually, like we're dealing with um, reproduction yes. because the kids are probably going to die. Like, mm-hmm. and like, you're not going to necessarily have, you might have 13 kids and end up with three. Right. So there's a little bit more of the idea of like the sacred duty of the reproductive arts. Yes. Um, as opposed to like just purely a, pre- a pleasure principle thing. Right. Yeah. I think that plays into a lot of it with um, different people in this show. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, there's a lot. There was a lot around like sex and and relationships and power dynamics. I mean, there was just so much. Um so okay, so you talked about the like will they won't they yes. between Daphne and and Simon, um the duke. But here's where I struggle. I love the will they won't they also, but there's a balance and something that I think uh, for me Bridgerton got really well is that for me there needs to be a certain balance between a lot of elements so if if romance is a big part of the story which it often is um you I can't have too much won't they I need there to be something keeping me along because if they keep not being together I'm gonna get frustrated and upset and I'm gonna leave I'm gonna be like fuck you I wanted them to be together Gemma is also very frustrated. <laughs> Gemma's throwing shit across the room. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh, we haven't said it yet. The big thing. 
Lady Whistle now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and this, okay, actually, this ties into the point that I was making about how the important elements of a show to keep me on. Something that frustrated me with Gossip Girl is that they took, well, first of all, they're just, they, they did the same plot every season for like six seasons, and then they didn't get to who Gossip Girl was until the sixth season. Bridgerton let us know who the fuck Lady Whistledown was at the end of the season, which is good, because if they haven't, I think I would have gotten irritated. Um, they did not do that in the book. This is a premature, ooh. like, it is not revealed as early in the books of who it is. I love that. That's spicy. I know. I like that. Too. I pre- I agree the same thing. I think it would have been very unfulfilling to not know yeah. after the whole time, especially with how they played it up of, like, but by the end, you kind of knew because Penelope is exposing, like, family information that no one else would have known. Yeah. That us as the wa- as the audience know that no one else knows. Yes. So. Yeah. Um, but Penelope's a gay queen, so she can do what she wants, including doing <laughs> marriages. That is her right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And she does it, and she does it with style. Um, I... We Becca and I have talked about this before. We both knew pretty early on that it was Penelope that she was going to be Lady Whistledown. Um, at the very beginning, like episode one, I had a hypothesis that they might do what Gossip Girl did and make it a man. And I was like, if they do that, I'm going to shoot someone. Yeah, like, no, not really, no gun violence, but like, I was oh, gonna- from the Capitol, Genesee. God, calm down. <laughs> uh i was gonna be really upset <laughs> yeah no i agree it's it, it was one of those things is for this story having their issues with um women and their ability to like make decisions it is a fairly female driven show mm-hmm. a focus on women's issues and like the stress of being debuted at a ball and like um being in motherhood when you don't know what sex is and how to like interact with others um and, and that's would have been t- like really lame to the plot to have it be like actually it's simon oh the it would have been super lame and i think that they did a really good job of not just balancing like the roles of different women like they have women who are married but not mothers they have women who are mothers but their spouse died they have women who are lady whistledown and also out there courting mm-hmm. um which i think was a was an interesting kind of plot twist for me that Louise is really building up Lady Whistledown to be this like super like like her right to be taking charge of her own destiny supporting herself like doing everything for herself and um not that Penelope isn't doing that because Penelope is Eloise's best friend and I think shares a lot of similar values as Eloise does but also holds marriage and love and courting in very high regard and she's very serious about finding um a husband and that's something I think part of the reason I think I like Penelope is I feel like she has she has eyes on what's expected of her and like what she needs to do to survive as a woman. And I think that one, it's she is the perfect she has the perfect elements. She both knows that she's going to marry a man and have a comfortable life and do the right thing. But then she's also industrious and has her own like writing industry and like has mm-hmm. caused all these like political drama. And that is why she is still superior to Daphne. Cause Daphne said, if I can't have a man that I want, I will ruin everything. Daphne, I gotta say, I I like the tension between um, the Duke and Daphne. Yes. Um, I don't think that they were a good match. I think that they're very unhealthy, but toxicity sells. So that's, that's what it is. Um, Especially in terms of media, like you can't 
it's it's not it's so rare to have a not toxic love couple sell because the drama equals toxicity equals you know what we read as like romance and chemistry and all that shit but i do love their like kind of like the push and pull kind of like the will they won't they but also the like I don't really know how to describe it. There's something like that. Their chemistry. That's what it is. I love their chemistry. The actors that played them did a phenomenal job of making their chemistry very readable. Their characters should not be together, but hot goddamn, if that chemistry isn't good. And they did play. And and from the beginning, you know, clearly like that is the, that's the end game. You never under this illusion that like, well, maybe not. It's like, no, they are like, it's very much framed in this, there's it's like a second movie. where you think the prince might happen. But even then it's not like, oh, forever. Like, you right. know, that like you're like, sure, Mr. I think his name's like Frederick or something. Yeah, something he, basic. He's living his best life. And he marries this really, he's going to end up with that girl with the bad hair that's like braided. Yeah. Um, I did kind of like, okay, important to me in all things are mean people in TV. They need to be mm-hmm. mean and they need to be ruthless. And I appreciated that we did get that from let the girls and the gays be mean <laughs> and i deeply enjoyed that mean lady who um was like the prince's first pick until he met daphne yeah. um, and her when she was still interested in the duke um publicly and he was pursuing this other blonde lady and the whole time i was like she's a vicious little mean bitch and i <laughs> like her and she uh, she is the one that causes daphne who exposes daphne to like knowing that they people saw her out in the garden with the dude mm-hmm. um yeah. which to be fair i thought was a pretty bad i you know what i think bridgerton could deal more with in, killing people that's true there's no there's no fun there's, dad there's there's one uh Fucking dad right the featherington guy yeah. gets murdered Archibald featherington or something whatever the fuck his name is yeah he gets killed um, because of his bad debts. Um, there should have been so much killing. That the asshole that she that was trying to manipulate her into marrying at the beginning, yeah. fuck a duel. Don't challenge him to a duel, duel. just kill him. Just That's kill. The, I think I think for me the thing that was missing from Bridgerton is stakes. Like not, like we are told mm-hmm. that things matter and then they don't. Like no one's life is ruined. Oh, and they don't. Yeah. Like I was like, let Marina die. Like <laughs> Like, I like Marina and I don't want her to die, but she should have been made destitute. Like, yeah. there needs to be consequences and no one's actions have consequences. They're all just like, well, I guess this guy. And I'm like, so we come out of it having, I think that's why I don't like some of the, like, I don't buy into some of the sex scenes and like this longer arc is I don't feel like we see a huge transformation of characters. We see characters that got to an ending that could have happened in a myriad of different ways. Instead of being like, this is the only way it could have gone. Instead it's like, well, yeah, I guess. I think that's very true. And I think that for people who like sex scenes, either you don't like sex scenes or it's important for them to be a plot device. It's not necessarily important for me to be a plot device, but there needs to be some sort of not even character development but like it needs to like add something to the story i don't need it to further the story but it needs to add something so episode six is literally just them fucking yeah everywhere all over the place that's that's when wildest dreams is that's when wildest dreams plays okay 
I don't know how this is possible. Your sister has been giving me crap for this all week, but somehow I didn't know that string quartet versions of pop songs existed. They're so good. I've been a big fan for a long time as well. My life has changed. For studying, they're really good. I don't know how I got through two fucking degrees without this shit. I've been listening to it, like, all the time. It's my new sleep music. I The only thing I probably won't use it for is once I get back into running. But There's also lullaby versions of most music as well. See, so- I, I have found that I'm listening to, like, the same songs that I would listen to otherwise, but the string quartet versions. Okay, time to just bop instead. But yeah. One thing regarding music I wanted to cover, and that is the essential um, assigning of Taylor Swift songs to different love stories in the plot. Mm. I find that to be key. And I would like to kick it off with illicit affairs <laughs> with um, the oldest brother and the opera singer. Maybe that should be a different episode. I actually have an idea for an episode that I'll talk to you about after we finish recording. Interesting. I'm I excited. think you're going to love it. You're, I think you're going to love it. Before I want, I want you to just assign then at least to Daphne and Simon. What song you think is there? Uh... Oh, I think that's going to take some time for me because it has to be. I think it has to be a love song, but one of her love songs that is like also kind of hurt and angry. I was kind of feeling like maybe dress a little bit. Oh, um, I God. Uh, what was the second one? Yeah, there's like some really oh, false god. False god. Mm, that flaps. There's some vibes in there. And meanwhile, of course, for our local um, Penelope and Eloise, they would be Ivy because Ivy is a sapphic song. Decided, close case. I think dress would have been good, and I actually thought that that would have been an excellent choice to play um, a string quartet version of in that place. Instead of Wildest Dreams. I think that would have been beautiful. Um, And I think that at some point... What? That was my one thing. Is I wanted to... I was like, I need to know what song. But now we know. I think think Dress is good. But I also kind of like Willow for them. Like something sad or angry. Um, Because... Bending to someone else's will. Yes. Yes. You are a Willow and I'm bending in your wind or whatever the line is. That is Daphne. Yes. And I I hate I I want to dislike Willow so bad. It has such a good ring to it though. Like I love the sound of it, but the lyrics make me so mad because literally half of the song is her saying, Wreck my plans, that's my man. Like, bitch, don't wreck your plans for anybody. Especially not a man. Song, being like, wreck my reputation for me to be with this man. I think we found it. Their song is Willow. Willow is a good pick. I think it fits. Yeah. Well, there you go. Mini episode inside of an episode. Yes. Yeah, I honestly don't know how you and I ever get through a conversation without talking about Taylor Swift. For for her birthday, the entire day, we talked in Taylor Swift quotes. And not to um, do a disservice to Miss uh, Shonda Rhimes, but Taylor Swift lyrics have more uh, dynamic characters than Bridgerton did at points. I am more oh, compelled yeah. by Inez from the background of Betty than oh. I am by the mother of Daphne. I'm like, yeah. oh, or you- Anthony. I can't stand Anthony. Anthony. <laughs> yeah, An- Anthony truly is a he's truly a Jake Gyllenhaal in the all too well of uh, Bridgerton. It's a rough ride. I did not vibe with him. I did not vibe with 
any of them. <laughs> I'm so disappointed because we know that he gets his own book and they're kind of setting it up to where his is going to be the next. I would yeah. almost be interested because like, I do love a villain and he is a bad person. And so I could get behind that. But I don't I want him to be happy though. Oh, he doesn't need to be happy. Well, no, it's all that each of their books is about them finding true love. So this bitch is going to find true love. Like what the fuck? So I'm going to have this problem with every season of Bridgerton where I'm maybe. like, why is it about love? <laughs> why? Maybe he'll find true love and then they'll kill him. Maybe his true love is like saving money and being a business major. Like genuinely. They did go to university together. That is actually, they do. They mentioned they that. Like, yeah. Like, all, of the, all of the older Bridgerton boys have already gone to college, including yeah. Colin, who they seems to, like a child. They go to Oxford, correct? I think, I think? so. Which yeah. is very funny. Uh, <laughs> there yeah it's a very so i do suppose there's also like there's discussions to be had about classism in bridgerton as well Absolutely. where we have the um we get to see simon almost play poor person when he goes out to like the boxing rings with his friend um we see a lot of that where there's a lot of these dalliances with the lower classes without understanding the consequences that these actions have right or like we see with the opera singer that for her she has to be with someone who can protect her and provide for her yeah she's a sensible woman unlike miss daphne mm -hmm. uh, and so she can't do what she wants for love there has to be more and i do like that because i i actually while i strongly dislike um Anthony mm -hmm. I kind of liked their love story like it was I was yeah. kind of into it I absolutely love that she dumped his ass he was right not was just yes not just because I want her him to be unhappy um because I don't want her to be unhappy but you are you're hitting it on the nail and that she is she is in a completely different position than him um she is so much more vulnerable and she's putting herself in danger being with him not even like from a societal angle but that she could be with someone who will actually protect her when Anthony can't get his head out, out of his house long enough to do what he needs to do and either fuck her on the side and protect her or not no and I think that um actually I think it actually kind of comes around to the idea that I had that like it just didn't feel like there were consequences mm -hmm. I feel like that may actually be a reflection of the time period where there just wasn't consequences for the wealthy in the same way that there were yeah and we see Daphne, I suppose, does deal with some of that when she moves to the her um, her new property with the Duke. When she um, is interacting with the the gen like the poor people of yeah. her land, when she like completely offends them and fucks everything up. Yeah. And so I guess we suppose we see some consequences there, but ultimately not really. Which is also interesting because when people talk about Daphne in relation to the Duke, they call her a townie. Ooh. Oh, because they're from the town? Like So I don't know because her family may you might okay, you might actually understand like the secession of like titles and stuff. Her father was a Viscount. Yeah. I don't know the importance of that because she's not like a commoner commoner, but her family, I guess, isn't like in the royal line, whereas the Dukes are. I don't know. She's not a she does not have a title. Yeah. So she does not um it's like complicated okay <laughs> i haven't done it in a long time but it's like more than a baron from what i understand so her dad like she's from i'd say like the periphery of the uh 
of the like gentry and like all the wealthy um, types because she, and that's why it's partially important that she marries well as opposed to the others. Like, so her marrying the Duke wasn't, was a um, upwards move for her like yeah. social standing, but it wasn't as upwards as it had been if she'd married the prince. And so, right. and I think that is very interesting. It is interesting. And you get that. Like, that's very clear. Like, it would have been, it was huge that she caught the attention of the prince. And the bitch girl who wanted to catch the attention of the prince and was, like, kind of talking with him. But he was, the prince always had his eye on Daphne. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, like, so she was, like, wealthier. I don't know if her family had a title or not, but her family was definitely in a better position than Daphne's. Um, and they talk about that, but I think that like, so when she, when Daphne becomes a duchess, I think it's really interesting because she, she fucks up with the town, but also the staff kind of are really hesitant about her because she didn't come from like a higher up family. So like the, the house keeper that's like not not a sufficient word for her but she's like she tends to the well-being of the house and the family um so she's not just like a maid but she like tends to the family's affairs Mm -hmm. um she is giving daphne major side eye like Mm -hmm. the whole time um eventually they get to be on good terms which again i think speaks to your point of consequences they don't exist if you're a tiny rich lady you can do what you need yeah in, like ultimately um with that I, I had definitely thought about that a lot while I was watching the show with her relationship to um her people and like her complete like there's not a lot of a consequence for her complete disconnect with her people despite the fact that it's definitely kind of portrayed like it like they definitely hate her which I did kind of love because I mean like yeah but they there's this very weird vibe of like Daphne like event it it all works out in the end for Daphne like no matter what like because I know we um when we were discussing the idea of this episode we were you were very interested in talking about what happens with Daphne after she finds out that the Duke is capable of having children as opposed to just not wanting to yes okay so we got sidetracked with wildest dreams because obviously like we can't there's this like sphere of our mind that like once Taylor Swift is mentioned we are just become inhuman um episode six we have to talk about it um Mm -hmm. i love that you watch this with your parents that sounds like a nightmare um but there is so much sex and not good sex i would say i mean it it seems like she's enjoying it but she literally didn't know what sex was so i mean anyway anything's exciting to her um i do like though i there were some elements of it that I thought were kind of steamy. Um, and I don't even think that's the right word. Cause it's not that they were arousing. I think I love that you mentioned like the, like the suburban <laughs> mom part of the internet. What? Yeah. Who it was meant for. Meant for. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I think that like, there were a lot of people on the internet who were like, Oh my God, these sex scenes are the best thing- things I've ever seen in my life, which no, they were uninteresting at best. Um, the, I personally find um, Simon very attractive. He is a hot hunk of a man. Um, 
you're not attracted to men so yeah. we won't share I that think Daphne was attractive either so it was a very I don't think that she was att- as attractive as they made her out to be no I kind of thought she was ugly like low-key I was like I don't think that she was ugly. I think, I mean, I wouldn't be attracted to her personally. I certainly wouldn't like see her from across the room and be like, but I see that she has very delicate features. She has a very proper manner of presenting herself. And she has a bit of like a glow, Um, like almost like a babyish glow, to be honest. Yeah, it's very youth. She's very, she very much is playing the youthful like wide-eyed like completely unknowing women and considering that the queen is who determines who is the incomparable i don't think that the true factor was actually like attractiveness um and i would be kind of interested to read the books to see if they elaborate on what exactly stood out to the queen for daphne um i think that would be really interesting to know um because i don't think it was just that she's pretty And I think that a lot of the attraction for people, especially the prince, to Daphne was the fact that the queen liked her. And I think it was her grace. Like, I think the idea is that she's, like, well-mannered and graceful and, like, she's a proper woman. Which we see come into conflict with Simon in some sense where she's been very much instilled to be the proper woman and hostess. Yes. And then Simon, with his weird grudge with his father, is like, well, I will never be a father. And so Daphne cannot... At the time, she doesn't believe she'll ever be able to take up that role and, like, fulfill the fullness of her, like, womanly duty. Yes. Yeah. And I think that, like, the Duke is the one exception to the the allure of Daphne in terms of, like, probably the, the queen being the only real reason that most of the town was attracted to her. And that I think he was attracted to her for similar reasons that I think she was attracted to him is the, like oh no, I'm supposed to hate you. Like, you're su- you're supposed to be a child. Yeah. Yes. Um, But in episode... So at the end of episode five, they get married. Um, And this is after, like... It's kind of frustrating to me the circumstances in which they get married because I'm like... I like it because it adds tension. I think they did it the exact right way. Because if they had had a happy marriage, I I would agree with your point that there wasn't enough will they, won't they. But for yeah. me, there was enough tension, even after they got together, that it was able to stick. And I think Bridgerton did that really well, that they balanced the happy with the unhappy. <laughs> or the conflict. It doesn't be- you don't become comfortable like you know that like there's more mm-hmm. the, the tension they do a good job of being like it's not just going to be resolved by marriage like there is still tension there is still drama there is still plot yes yeah they and i think they did that excellently um which is part of why even if Anthony's season is next i will watch it because um the appeal of bridgerton to me is not necessarily the characters it is not the plot it is not the like you know suburban mom twitter freaking out over the sex and simon's abs um Mm -hmm. although i love the part of twitter that is um like casting auditions to be the spoon oh i know i i saw that i was like people are I love that. I find that absolutely hilarious. Um, I love that I am on Twitter just for that part of the internet now. 
Um, because most of Twitter is absolutely awful, but that part is just fucking hilarious. Um, the reason that I like Bridgerton and the reason that I will stick for season two um, is that they balanced all of the elements that I like in a TV show perfectly. Um, I was not overwhelmed with conflict, but I was not underwhelmed. It was not too happy. It was not too complacent in storyline. Um, they had excellent chemistry between the important characters. Um, and they had diversity in cast and in characters like in the types of stories that they were telling and i think that they sh they told a lot of really difficult important storylines in an appropriate way and so that is what you alluded to that i want to talk about with episode six i mean there's a lot to talk about um and i think that we should talk we should absolutely criticize the sex scenes a little bit more um but we'll save that for i am going to talk about the end of the episode yes um, and then we can go back to the fun poking fun of their awful sex. Um, <laughs> so um, at the end of episode six, Daphne finds out. So she didn't like we've talked about in depth. I'm absolutely appalled that they didn't know what sex was. Um, the Duke did. And the Duke was not a virgin when they got together. He had already planted his seed. Um well, not really, because he pulls out. But sowed further. Uh, he he'd explored greener pastures. <laughs> um, what was? Oh my God! When Antony is talking to Colin and he says, "Sow your wild oats." I was thinking that exact phrase, but I was like, "Was that from that?" That was from that, and the best part was that that was one of the parts that Naomi was here for because she wasn't here while we were watching the whole show, and she just looked over at me. She was like. Uh, that's what I'm going to call your period before we started dating. Sowing like, wild oats. Yeah, that was me sowing my wild oats. And I was like, all right, babe, whatever you want to Right. Now you got an oat field. I, um, yeah, reti retired oat field. And so he pulled out, right? And we know, the viewer, we're like, okay, well, he doesn't want to have kids. We know that we see, like, in flashbacks that he vowed to his father that he will not have children. Um, so we know all of this. Daphne does not. Daphne's fucking clueless. And, um, so he's pulling out and she doesn't, she doesn't know that that's the part that makes a baby is the, the semen actually going in. Yeah. And, um, she thinks that he has a medical condition that makes it so he can't have children. And it's interesting because she's having conversations with some of the house people at their at their big home and they're telling her about the duke's mother having problems having children and so that furthers the narrative in her head that her that his dad had problems conceiving a child and so now he has problems conceiving a child hereditary issue yes um which i love that i'm like wow they're really they're really selling it um which of course the staff didn't know it's not like they were in on it or anything but it's it's she was really like piecing this together in her mind um and so and what the duke had told her he it was all very veiled because he was just like i can't marry you um and this is after simon breaks up the duel and she thinks that he just doesn't love her mm -hmm. and that her feelings were one-sided and that he's still where they were at before all of this right 
And and he kissed her in the garden, but she's but she thinks that he's just a rake, so he's just gonna kiss anybody. Yeah. Um and he says, I can't give you children, and that's what you want. You want a family and a, and so she just declares that they're gonna get married. And they get married, and then he declares his love for her in front of the queen, and she still thinks that he's lying, which I loved that. Um, I loved him declaring her love for her, and I loved that, like, even though they were both, like, showing their love in so many ways, they, like, couldn't believe. They both couldn't believe that the other one loved them. They, they both believed like there was someone like intrinsically unlovable, especially Simon, we know after his, like, he was receiving a lot of... Yes. like being berated as a child Mm -hmm. by his father for his stammer and that he believed that like now he was just like a flawed broken man or something like he didn't believe he was like deserving of being loved in return right um i don't really understand why she thought that she was unlovable i i don't either i'm i'm assuming that that was just like the product of her being a woman in that time and like he understood that he was doing his duty to marry her like to protect her reputation but he didn't have feelings for her and i think that she was really holding on to the period where they both kind of declared at the beginning like we can never be together we can never fall in love and even though that changed for her and i think something super accurate is that you hold on to that yeah in your mind it's Um, the narrative that you know yes and so she she stuck with that um and of course she had her brother who is now like her father figure because her father's dead telling her that she needs to settle and she just needs to marry and marry this abusive dickwad that he promised her to and all of that shit um so i think that really became ingrained in her um but so she they they get past that they have sex on their wedding night which you know good for them i'm glad that they figured that out then they're fucking everywhere wildest dreams plays and one time he comes and she noticed like she was like wait like she had seen it she knew that he was coming outside of her but she had no concept of sex or how babies were made and so at one point something clicks for her that something's wrong is it the peasant lady or something like doesn't someone kind of like someone says sowing seed i think yeah, there's like his seed isn't. I remember hearing it. It's oh, so- it's the the housekeeper when she when the housekeeper is yeah, they talking. Talk about yeah, they talk about well, so not so she has a lady's maid, but mm-hmm. before that, when she's talking to the the housekeeper who doesn't like her at first, and then she's trying to mend the relationship with the housekeeper, um, she tells her about the relate the dad and the mom having troubles conceiving, and the housekeeper says it's not always the woman. Who has problems conceiving sometimes it's the man's seed and so after that and then she sees him come after they have sex she starts her you see her like putting the pieces together putting the pieces together and so then she goes and talks to her lady's maid who is like her right hand um who's to be trusted with like taking care of her for and for like ever right um waiting or whatever is it that the governess turns into their lady's maid or are they two different people? I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. But the the idea is they have a long-standing relationship. She's been her lady's maid for a long... She's been in a part of her life and her family. Eat a donut hole, everybody. Um, been a part of her life and her family for a long time. And 
So she trusts her because normally you don't talk about sex at all. And your mother is expected to tell you on your wedding night, your duties as a wife. And her mom was so not ready for that conversation. And so did not really tell her what sex was. I mean, which I get like, not, I mean, you, you talked earlier about like the Catholic values and whatnot. And I think that really shines through in their conversation is that it's not just, I mean, like it's, it's part of the time period, but it's, it's not just that they don't talk about sex. It's that there's a lot of shame in sex. Yes. Though I think they would have been a part of the Anglican church at that point. I don't think the Catholic church would have been as prevalent, but the same, the same precedent still stands the idea of like, there are duties that women are expected to like do and the um, doing it outside of marriage would be shameful. And it is very much not rooted in this idea of like passion as much as it is like a union and producing heirs, which is really something that's important as to see is a duke. And that is something he's very clear about to his father is he will not be producing an heir. Mm -hmm. So that way the Hastings like line in a sense like ends with him and it's very dramatic. It's very dramatic. And I think they kind of talk about it because it's not really just that he wants vengeance on his father, but I think there is a fear in himself, not only that he's, not willing of love they have that conversation very explicitly but i think there's a fear in him that he'll end up being like his father mm-hmm. that they don't really talk about i mean i feel like it's understood that that's there but like they don't really talk about how that fucked him up but nonetheless so she figures out she talks to her ladies maid her and she tells her ladies maid she's like i need you to tell me exactly how children are conceived And then she avoids her husband and she doesn't talk to him for like at least a day. We don't, the passage of time is really confusing in this show. Yeah, it's time is happening. You don't know when or where. There are some things that it's like a month supposedly happened in like five seconds and then an entire episode is one day. Yeah, you're like, I have no no clue what year it is. And it's like, how did y'all wear 50 dresses in one day? How did you have like two balls in a day? How did this happen? Um, what is happening in the family group chat? Oh, nothing. My parents don't have Wi-Fi. Oh, okay. Um, so we're entertaining them. Oh, I saw them. They tweet. No, they're just talking about how they made it work. Oh, cool. A hot spot. <laughs> uh, no, with um, stuff with that relationship with Daphne. Like, I can understand how. Lying about that to Daphne is also a huge violation of like a trust that they're in. Like that is a big thing that they continue to struggle with is this like violation of trust in their relationship. And like, it continues to kind of get worse throughout the series. It does. It gets a lot worse. And I think it's really interesting because they talk about that, Um, Mm -hmm. which I think, you know, I talked about one of one of my favorite things about this is that they're talking about a lot of they bring up a lot of important characters and storylines and they present it in a way that's really engaging and I think really positive. So the dynamic that Daphne and the Duke have is toxic and it's super fucked up. So she responds to him violating her in this way to then assault him and force him to come in her. Mm hmm. To try to she would to she now understands yeah. they have the conversation where she's like it's not that you can't it's that you won't and yes. those are different 
things. And that's like right after she does it. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because he was apparently under the assumption to some extent that she understood how babies were made. Um, And she understood why he was pulling out and whatnot. And she seems to think that he wasn't, he knew that she didn't know any of those things and was taking advantage of her ignorance. Yeah, um, the kind of deceptive actions. Yeah. So there was like an element of miscommunication or, or non-communication, I guess. And then another element of the trust and then manipulation by both parties. Um, which is just super fucked up. So like while that's a super fucked up thing and like we can acknowledge that Daphne and the Duke both did really harmful manipulative things I think that's a story that is not often told and not often told in a way that is constructive and I think at the basis of their relationship we really see that like the problem is that there isn't communication Mm -hmm. and it's very much it kind of goes against what we see with a lot of the relationships are being posed that it's so much about presentation and like how you're seen and how you're viewed mm-hmm. and the value of words, like with what Lady Whistledown um, produces. Right. And so in contrast, we kind of see Daphne and the Duke kind of come to terms with like the importance of their voice and their like communication as a couple, kind of with the culminating end scene yeah. Uh, where they dance with the ball where he's like, I burn for you. And they have their big romantic gesture where he realizes that like they love each other. The burn for you scene was on their honeymoon night. So that <sighs> already happened. I'm thinking of the I'm thinking of the ball though at the end. Yes. Three. Yeah. The, burn, yeah, the, the actual conversation right. where she's like, Simon, I love you, even though you had a stammer as a child. I read the letters. Also felt like a weird violation of privacy. Yes, that is absolutely they, and I don't think that that's going to stop for them. Um, but I, I think that 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 was, I, I kind of didn't love the ending because it felt like at the end there there was almost not totally, but there was almost an imbalance for me, and that there was so much upset, and then it seems to be. Like the con- they had a good conversation, but it seemed too short or too simple to resolve all of the shit that they just did to each other. I was like, I it was like a two minute conversation, and I was like, I feel like this should have been a solid, a long, a long talk, <laughs> but it was very brief. Um, and I mean, they they did it. They they said the things that needed to be said. They they talked a lot about how the trust had been violated before that point. Um, and then they made a decision to work on it together. And I think that's really what needed to happen is that they needed to acknowledge that they both violated each other and then decide that they wanted to do better. Um, which I think, I mean, I, I wasn't alive in that time and I'm not even that familiar with the the history of it, but like from my little understanding of it, I think that that is uncommon i think there also would have been this idea like i don't know how much in that time what either of them had done would be viewed as wrong right like 
because there's just like different views about at the time of like what consent would have been versus like mm -hmm. our modern understanding of what consent looks like. Yes. So within the realm of their world, it may not have been as earth shatteringly like not great as it is for us as the viewer being like, that's a really big violation of your relationship while maybe in the in the world in the canon that we're dealing with that may not have been right i think that's kind of what they're going for is yeah. that, it's that he's offended that she did that but not that he took advantage not that she took advantage of him it's more right. like, like if i if, isn't he like if you get pregnant like fuck off like good luck it, and so the it's weird because after that point i was kind of confused about their plan it was like if if he if she got pregnant he was going to be there for her and the baby but then if she didn't get pregnant he was going to leave and i was no, like was reverse i think it was that if she got pregnant he was going to be there but he would never like love her and they wouldn't be yeah. like happy right and, would, and if she didn't have the baby it was gonna be fine like that was the whole thing he was like just don't I, get pregnant. i thought it wasn't gonna be fine because then when she wasn't pregnant he was gonna leave I think that that was just wanting distance because he didn't because he was like pissed at her anyway and it was that like because she fucked up and he was like I'm not gonna stay here fuck off like right right but it's about appearances I thought was the thing because if it, she was pregnant is. he'd have to be there as like I'm an upstanding man but if she's not pregnant he can leave and she's just like the lady of the house well he's yeah, out I don't know. whatever he wants it was weird either way it was weird and I, I definitely think you're on point in terms of like viewing consent and I don't think consent was the issue for him at all um, I think for her, it was to some extent, um, yeah. but for him, it was definitely power. I yes. Think. And yeah. I think for her, it came across as it being a violation of like, she just wasn't told the truth. Yeah. And, um, and so for her, it was this like her marriage, because when she agreed to marry him under the whole weird duel and weird situation, she knew that she wouldn't be a mother. Right. But she thought it was the medical thing. And yeah. so for her, she entered into that union under one impression only to be told that actually it was like, a, it was a personal choice. You're like, you mean to tell me I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life because of your choice? One thing I don't love though, is that he changed his mind and decided to have kids. I mean, like I, I wanted them to have kids and I wanted it to be his choice, but it also kind of felt like it wasn't his choice in the end. I mean, she didn't get pregnant when she forced him but no. so like when they did have kids it was his decision but i feel like he man she manipulated him into that decision i think what it was supposed to come across as was her him coming to terms with his trauma and like recognizing that like he because the whole time i was like why the fuck you keeping promises to a dead man <laughs> like what's he gonna do call you up like i don't know but i think that just daphne was being like I think one there was this fear that he would become his father i think is ultimately yes. one of it and so i think with what daphne was telling him at the end about how like she loved him for being an imperfect man like blah 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 it was reconciling for him of his past and being like i can be i can both be a father and be myself and be and be loved and it doesn't have to be this loveless soulless marriage and i think that's what it is for me what i'm struggling with is that i feel like that conversation wasn't totally fitting of that result yeah which i think is what you were talking about with the character development there wasn't nope. they they expected that character development to happen like nothing and that's not how that works um 
that's something that I, um, I think actually the author of the Raven cycle talked about when she was writing the books mm. was for her writing that series, there had to be, people had to deserve their ending and they had to earn where they ended. And for her, that was very important when writing was like, she said she wrote like, I think she said she wrote like, like a ton of those books, just like drafted them over and over because it, and that, that's, I think ultimately the flaw of Bridgerton is I don't believe these characters have earned their fate. Where I'm like, why is why does why does Daphne get to have what her dreams were? We don't yeah. really. She behaved poorly, and manipulated her husband for a little while, and then like I guess had to come to like understanding with him in the rain, and then like now nah, we're good, baby time. It's like maybe we're looking at this from the wrong perspective, and really Daphne did get what she deserved because she manipulated a man, and now she has a child. That she wanted. So she's go. like, she's like, I got what I want by being a bitch. And I am a fan <laughs> of that. Being a bitch is the way to get things. See, we're thinking about it too hard. We're like trying to be too analytical. analytical. Yeah. And and she really did. the answer is in front of us all the time. Fuck men, get money. She did she it. Goes her fate, which is, I guess, ultimately a big thing for her throughout the whole series is that she doesn't want a marriage that someone else sets up for her, like her brother. And like, she's pushed through the system. And in her end, she does kind of choose her own fate with how, um, and so does he, like in the end, like he kind of gets to, like they come to this point of like, we do want to have kids. We choose our fate and we choose the people that we want to be a family with, as opposed to the predestined fates that they both were assigned with him as like the imperfect child that didn't deserve love and her as like the incomparable mm-hmm. who should be like married off for wealth and esteem. I think that that's a really, a really good point. Um, and I think that's, that's pretty true. So let's wrap up our conversations about the sex because I feel like we've like talked about it, but we haven't really said how we're feeling about it. I'm curious what you're like, what your hot topic about it was like what was your hot point oh for me my hot point about it was literally that i just i dream of watching that show as the target demographic for those sex scenes because i just could not care they were so long and so boring i was like oh my god congratulate like it me and my parents were joking because i was like this is one it was boring like i don't I tell that with most like media that I find sex scenes to be really really boring Mm -hmm. but my parents and I were joking I was like I wish someone would have bought her like when I was a little when I was like a child my parents gave me an American Girl doll book that was like the body book for girls and it like explained puberty it obviously did not talk about sex but I was like what if we got Daphne a body book for girls where she can just learn like basic (laughs) um because it was very she definitely needed that um I think, yeah, it was it was uninteresting sex. I did kind of like the part though. So before they're married, when they're kind of courting, with well, their fake courting, mm-hmm. um, she convinces him to explain because he alludes to sexual things, and she's like, "Come on, tell me. Like, you're not my real suitor. It's fine. I want to know. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about?" And so he ex- kind of explains masturbation to her. Yeah, not a fan. That wasn't great, but I thought it was kind of interesting. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Maybe you can help me like figure this out. But the first time they have sex, he's, he talks to her and he's like, he's like hardcore having like dirty talk with her. 
maybe it's just that like i don't expect dirty talk in this type of period piece but also dirty talk in movies usually doesn't slap um but he was like asking her to tell him about what she thought about oh i remember this scene because it did feel like it was a little bit more intense than some of the actual like sex scenes in the play Mm -hmm. in the piece um and i think for me what i came out of it like i think part of it's because it is communication at its base and like in in a way it was avoiding the fact that i thought it was boring and like awkward i thought that there was something interesting about like this communication that like she hadn't been being given by her like even outside of just like the general, like she wasn't getting the sex talk from her mother. She wasn't going to get it from society. And we do see some of that in that conversation of like exploring that. Yes. I suppose like that of that scene, it was nice to see that he, but like, okay, further evidence that he should have known she didn't know how children were made. Right. Like explaining very basic things that like you learn in like sixth grade health class. She didn't know her vagina existed. Yeah. I was like, girl, where are you getting out of? I have questions ma'am are you blind you never you never peed you literally bleed out of there queen i don't understand how like she didn't naturally like okay even if you're like totally ignorant even if you're like totally religious you get turned on it happens how did you not know that like i i think it's ignoring the amount of shame that would have been placed on women Mm. and there would have been this idea of like you don't do that you just think that's like deviant behavior and you wouldn't know what was going on because you've and also I'm, i don't know how old she's supposed to be but i'm guessing she's not that old so i'm I that's know. also an element of like it would have been devious and it would have been like poor behavior to be engaging in those activities let alone speaking about them and that's right. gonna have to be super isolating if you think you're the only one experiencing something yeah you're not going to pursue conversation about it that's true yeah because in more modern times the debutante age is 18 mm-hmm. um but well not not exclusively some some women get debuted at at 16 of course now de- debuting is just a thing rich bitches do to do it i don't know mm-hmm. um but she could have been very young and she was in her first year this was the first time she had been debuted um and her first season is what they call it so yeah i'm a little bit nervous to know how old she was because i feel like it was bad vibes well good news is that's not necessarily people were older okay it- like there's mis- there's a misrepresentation of the past where like we have allowed gross pedophilic men in power to have this narrative where it was normal for men to marry mm-hmm. young women it really wasn't okay because one marriage was so much about reproduction and that is about like you need to be able to reproduce right women got their periods at a much later time when in the older days because there was like less hormone like hormones and food like it was it was different and so it would have i looked it up she would have been 20 she was 21. i just looked it up too (laughs) okay backing myself the fuck up because i also knew that was true because um it's actually something people used to defend like i've actually used to defend thomas jefferson's uh like rape of his slaves that were much younger than him as people were like well it was was it that weird if you married a 14 year old i'm like yeah it was super fucking right. weird. Yeah. it was not 
people were still they did not understand like there was a difference in understanding like the concept of a child versus an adult but it didn't make it wouldn't make sense for you to be marrying to someone who could not have children and they, a, a teen a girl at 15 in the fucking 1700s is certainly not really having kids yet it right. wasn't unheard of but it just wasn't as common right that's good to know that's good to know i'm glad that i was wrong <laughs> right it's nice to know um but yeah so she's she's inexperienced if not if not very young and um i think you're right though i think the reason why i like that part of that scene that's like the parts that stand out to me in their sex scenes are when they communicate that's absolutely what it is i dig the communication um that's respectful of him in a lot of ways like i that's one of the things i did notice i was like that's an interesting it's a different portrayal of men that we see sometimes in plays like in movies like this mm-hmm. it felt very much for the female gaze like this idea of like the he's he is debonair and a rake and he's all these things but he's also kind yes he he educates her and explains things which i mean like that is definitely not always the vibes you see with like male protagonists movies that are definitely made for a more male gaze where the woman is more just a like object in the sexual relationship Mm -hmm. as opposed to theirs which seem much more like a partnership yes and he consistently asks not only for like if things are okay with her and if she wants him to continue but he keeps asking her what she wants and of course she has no idea um, I think it would have been more interesting if she had some sort of idea of what she wanted and she could communicate back with him um, because it seemed like that always kind of piqued my interest. And then she was like, I just want you and like, like shoved okay. it in her. And I'm like, that's boring. You're like, we could use more discussion, but all right. <laughs> yeah. So I think that is definitely because there were elements where I was like, "Ooh, I like this. And it's absolutely the communication aspect. The sex itself, very boring yeah the show it had its moments but it definitely was meant to be watched in like one sitting and enjoyed yeah. in one sitting and that's why i said like i don't think i would re- i i won't re i won't rewatch it because um it's just not my vibe long term i enjoyed it and i watched it and i finished it but it's not like it's not something i'm going to return to every season because i'm like oh, i just miss bridgerton and i think I mean, I think for the most part from the internet, a lot of people will return to it for the next season. Um, I definitely, I mean, I rewatched it a lot. Um, I have a rating system for media. Um, it's, it varies a little bit depending on which form of media we're discussing. Um, this is the first time that I'm officially going to give its name so the first episode i had tristan on and we talked about how i have like a three-part rating system for movies and tv um and i have decided to label that the fucks given system Mm. so there is the bottom tier which is zero fucks given um and that is this is absolute shit do not watch it i will never watch it again over my dead body um, which is a very serious rating for anything to receive because Genesee watches everything. You're I've like, got... that's vile. <laughs> you know, it's terrible. Um, and the things that I haven't watched in are like super, uh, haven't watched are super weird and super random. I haven't watched The Notebook. Um, I actually haven't watched Pride and Prejudice all the way through, which I feel like I should. I like, I think it's a, it's, it's, 
I think it's a little bit more slow burn. Like they're not, there's no sex scenes, but there is a lot more of the like brush of the inherent eroticism of a brush of hands and like a slow burn. And uh, I do love that. One word from you would silence me forever. It is, it's good. I mean, my mom watched Pride and Prejudice and enjoy it. I do love that. Um, so yeah, but yeah, I watch, I'm like your dad. If it is available, I've watched it. I'll watch it at some point. I will watch it. Um, and if I don't want to watch something, it's either because I think it will be really triggering for me or because it just looks really, really awful. Yeah, it sucked, so I won't watch it. Yeah. Um, and so that's the first tier, zero fucks. Then there's one fuck to give. Um, and that is uh, where... I'd say a lot of things fall in the one fuck to give. It's like, I enjoyed it for television. It's I enjoyed it. It was cool. Like you could watch it. Like it's, it's not bad. It's, it's good. It was something to watch. It, it, it like gave me a fun time while I watched it. And that's that. And then um, there's two fucks to give, which is for TV. I don't tend to like rewatch TV a lot unless it's a much shorter Thing. so Bridgerton was the perfect thing for me to get sucked into um and I've been in a place lately where I I go through periods where I get super obsessive and mm-hmm. I have to hook on something and right now that's been tv shows so I watched mm-hmm. station 19 like five times I heard I saw an instagram I I'm a disaster Becca but which that's three seasons that was much more of a time commitment for me and I just didn't watch anything but fucking station 19 um and then there was Bridgerton. And Bridgerton pulled me out of my Station 19 cycle. So I think that's also probably why I watched it. You know, it has to be somewhat good. Is that it, it has to at least have some fucks given. Because it made it to that point. Yes. It made it to the point. So normally two fucks given is I like it. I would recommend it. Um, it was fun. And it was really engaging. It normally means that there is either like two fucks given either means that it was like a, a an engaging piece of media and it had something to it that hooked me or that it was just very fun and saucy um not in like a sexual way but like um, normally humor and curse words are what get me in terms of like the if the, if the storyline sucks and the characters aren't super engaging but you have really good fucking jokes and use curse words in good places you can get me which I think is part of what Bridgerton did. Although Bridgerton, I do think overall, like while there are flaws in some of the things, like some of the characters and some of the, the plot points, I think that overall they did an excellent job of of making an engaging piece of media. And I think with Bridgerton, that is definitely a place where it's conflicting because I'm like, what does engagement and interest mean? <laughs> and that's i think that i really love that you're more critical of it of bridgerton than i am because i mean not that i'm not critical because i'm like critical of fruit you know i'm critical of literally anything (laughs) i can be critical of but um i i like it a lot it's a definitely a two fucks given for me um it sounds more like a one fucks given for you i i have I'm doing a count really quick. You're counting your fucks? I do. Okay. 
So there's two rate. I have two. First one is I have one zero gay fucks given because we see no gay people except for that one sad thing in the closet that happened yeah. in that one scene with the art thing. Um, and then I think it is 12 straight fucks given because that is every sex scene that exists in Bridgerton between Daphne and the Duke. It is in fact, I think 12. I was, I was counting. That's why I was like. <laughs> That's hilarious. So you're talking about actual fucking. And then 12, 13, 13. Nope. I was, it was 12. It's 12. It is 12. Um, but, I don't even remember how many times they had sex. And oh, I, I don't know how many times they had sex. It's how many different sex scenes. I found it on, I, I found a list online. Oh, thank God. I was about to be really concerned. Like, about how that. do you remember? It's 12. This is a lot in retrospect. Now I'm like, damn, fuck. Um, but I'm like, I have a really good, I, I like have a great memory when it comes to like media and I can't remember how many sex scenes they were. So. And I think for me, that's what makes it a like, because I'm also realizing that I'm not the target demographic. And so that's why it's zero for me in that sense. I think that's but fair. It's, uh, it's 12. So you, <laughs> so you would not watch, you would not recommend this is a hate for you. Well, that's what zero fucks is. Zero well, fucks is like, it can burn well, in hell. Well, it's because for me, I don't have to like things. I don't necessarily okay. like the things that I watch. I often dislike most things. Okay. So for me, I'm like, me not liking something doesn't mean I'm not going to recommend it. I send horrible recommendations to my friends. I watched Hannibal. Like, I can watch things and not like them. But I did consume that. Okay. So I think that, I, I think if it came down to true scale, it would be like a two. Really? Okay. Where it's like, oh, I mean, uh, like, I if, I'll, I'll probably watch season two, probably not when it comes out though. Like maybe okay. after everyone's already talked about it and I'm kind of like, is it good? Like kind of- You can listen to my podcast. I could take it or leave it. It's kind of the, probably the best way to phrase that's, it. That's what one fuck to give is on my okay. tier. I'll do one. You know how I like to think of level one? It isn't hate, it isn't love, it's just indifference. And that's very, that I'd say is a very good place for Bridgerton. It has its moments where I'm like, hell yes, we love the longing glare, the longing looks across the ballroom. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, okay, this is boring now. Why are you just, can you please stop having sex for 30 minutes? And I honestly, I get so frustrated with episode six because I, the Duke and Daphne get one episode of sex. They get one episode of being happy and in love and knowing that the other one loves them and then 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 they get in a big fight and the, the rest of the two seasons are them being in a fight and then the last 15 minutes they get to be happy again so for me it was like not enough reward for the time that i put in them being aloof three four they have sex three more times after that episode so they do not. Hold the on. Finale. Um, what? Because, yeah. okay, so after that episode, they he gives her oral yeah, they on the staircase. I, I am that they have sex twice. I was looking at um, another. Oh. oh, because they have sex after they, after they make up, and then they have sex to make the baby? At the end, yes. Are they counting the time that they make the baby, yeah. or was there another on-screen sex yeah. scene? And, um... It's like at the very, it's in the final episode. Um, right. They have, they have sex again. Did they have sex in episode seven? 
Um, what is, I'm trying to figure out the second time because I remember yeah, in the last like is the um that's the staircase scene. That's but the, he just get, he just eats her out. That is still sex. Okay, I'll take that. That is that is the vibes. I'll so take that, that is um so for me I'm like that's at least a million times too many because this is very many many things that they could have established the black and like it would have been more funny that way and interesting because then it's like you could imagine whatever you wanted if you wanted it to be a super communication heavy thing merry christmas like i just feel like it was so unnecessary like it doesn't because now i'm just gonna sit there and be like if if there was not sex scenes in bridgerton as much as there were i would rewatch it you know i gotta say um i when when Naomi and I watched After We Collided, which is a complete shit show of a movie, we were very upset because that movie got an, had a R rating and there was no boob action. We saw one butt and it was not a good butt. It was just not the vibes. So normally I don't get upset about seeing boobs. Like this is normally a thing that we walk away from movies being like, why weren't there more boobs? Right? Why weren't there more curse words? Those are my two common insults. You're going to have the rating, use it kind of thing. Yes, that and like boobs should just be better appreciated. Um, I got to say, I wasn't loving the boob action in this in this show, which is. I don't remember there being boobs in this show. Was exactly, there? Becca. Exactly. Was You're there? a lesbian and you don't remember seeing Daphne's boobs. She, I also don't find Daphne attractive. Her boobs were uneventful. I don't remember them. I, I, I like I said, I wasn't they were there. Show being like, let me see some titties. That is definitely not the. <laughs> but, may I also remind? I was watching it with my parents. <laughs> um, that's fair. That's but fair. Me, like even then, that's even if it was two women having sex on screen, I'd find it boring. That's just not a compelling. It's just not compelling to me in stories. That's, that's partially why I don't always love gay um, like films. Is I just am like. This could be, a, it doesn't, it never establishes enough for the plot for the amount of time. If I had to watch people have a dialogue in which they establish nothing in a conversation for right. seven minutes, I'd be like, that's a waste of screen time. So for me to be like, so you just had sex for 12 minutes. If we had to watch Daphne and like the gardener talking about plants for 12 minutes, I'd be bored as shit. And so it's like, it follows that I am still bored as shit. It was very... I think that it would have been better in terms of the sex scenes if they were more spread out because of the 13, was it 12 or 13 uh, sex scenes? It's uh, total. There's way more. Jesus there's, fuck. yeah, there's like a shit ton. That's only, I, um, there's Sienna and that one, uh, Sienna and Ben yeah, and Anthony, Anthony have quite a few. So mm-hmm. there is more. It's right. just very, it, it's not memorable. And so for me, it's like, put, we could have had like actual plot. I think, well, yes, but also they had a whole episode that was just sex. Like that was a waste of an episode. We could have had drama. We could have had people talk about their problems instead of just not talk about them. I feel like if the sex had been more spread, the sex between specifically Daphne and the Duke had been more spread out, um, I would have been more interested in it because there were, there was like the entire length of wildest dreams they were having sex that's too long it does seem like maybe the thing that this it should have been more than one season i think ultimately is the problem Mm -hmm. 
this narrative should have taken place over like mm. honestly two two or three like so then you because then you would have gotten that you could have spread out right because their marriage could have been a whole season of like how do you navigate this conversation like mm. we don't get any we don't get any buildup so why do we care about the ending I there's feel, no there's no like it doesn't grip you i feel conflicted about that because part of me likes that um that there was not like too much lead up like everything that i needed resolved got resolved in the first season um and i think that i like the approach of having a season devoted to a certain love story mm -hmm. and with the idea that there will be more seasons and we'll still see Daphne and the Duke because we got at least I expect that we do because we got snapshots of the other siblings romances yeah. even though it was Daphne season so I don't think that this is the last of them but I do think that we're hitting a point that the way that they spread it out over the season in terms of where they focused their time was an uneven distribution. We had like five episodes of the lead up, mm -hmm. which was like what? Two months, maybe? I don't know. It, it wasn't it's not clear what's happening. Yeah. The timeline is fucked, um, but yeah. it was not long. It's always in the span of one woman's pregnancy, like, so it couldn't be that long. Not even the full pregnancy, just like the first trimester. <laughs> right. And so you have that element of things um, that's like, like you have the, the first chunk that's like over half of the season was just the, the preamble. And then you have them together happily for an episode and then you have them fighting for two episodes and then the makeup is 15 minutes maybe at the end of the last episode and so i don't know that i actually don't think i would have been happy if they spread it out over one more than one season especially with like the hour-long episodes if they spent eight hour-long episodes and didn't come to a conclusion i'd fight a bitch well like i think for me it's like but if they would have done that there would have been character development and we would have actually cared more about these characters instead of them being like very one-dimensional like what are their motivations we don't know like yeah. <laughs> i think you could develop so much more of these characters especially if we're supposed to be invested in them all the time the fact that i still can't tell the brothers apart not great like <laughs> they could they, have developed the, the world was underdeveloped they, they did kind of look the same but they could have given us more. Like we know that Sienna and Anthony are doing something. We know Colin's an artist, not yeah. Colin, Benedict's an artist and Colin wants its floor. But like, we don't know that much. It would have been way more compelling if they'd slowed it down, yeah. given us like, a true, true slow burn where you could still have like more of them. Like you don't have to have the first time they had like kiss in the garden be the time they get caught. Like mm. you can, develop that relationship in a way that makes it more believable and interesting as opposed to just being like well now they're married like the tension in it like I, I said no consequences i think that that's a really hard balance to keep um in terms of like drawing it out and having that having more and i think a lot of tv shows do it the way you're talking about and mm -hmm. that they have multiple characters going on and they focus on all of them throughout and have a lot more character development and each season doesn't really like center one pairing or 
center like one storyline but it you have a lot going on throughout multiple seasons and for me that can be kind of hard to follow sometimes um like i think a great example is gray's anatomy um they have a lot of character development like like a fuck ton partially because they've been here for 16 years Mm -hmm. so meredith gray has been like five different people (laughs) at this point but it's hard to stick with a show like that because you have so many different strains of conflict um and like sticking with that from season to season is kind of difficult whereas with with the way that Bridgerton is set up right now, I feel like coming back for another season wouldn't be that difficult because the conflicts that were really conflicts in this season are resolved and Mm -hmm. season two is going to have new conflicts, which also I like because if I want to skip Antony's season, I can. (laughs) I'll just wait. (laughs) Um, But, but I think that that's, that's interesting I think that's an interesting critique that you offer. Yeah. And I think that is just, it could come down to just like preference. Like I, like I said, I prefer the like drawn out, like right. five season love story. Like that's very fun to me. I'd rather and that. We all know that you are far more of a bitch for the drama than oh, I yeah. am. That, the, the drama in Bridgerton was boring. Yes. It would last eight minutes. They'd be like, the drama, what will we do about this duel? And then they were like, oh, Daphne will just get married. I was like, that's boring. I want, I need you to know that the a podcast I listen to is a hundred and fifty, it's a hundred like 75 episodes. Wow. The characters don't, the main characters don't even fucking like each other until 110 minimum. Jesus Christ. That's what I like. I want it to be like a spicy, like, oh, the characters now talking about them in a slightly more fond way. See, this is why you went to you're going to law school, and I got my oh, MPA. You got that commitment. To, oh, wait, you can just let it draw out for to be miserable. Yeah, Res, I'm like, no, I want it. I want I, resolution. I like the slow, like, for, like, like literally for me, it's about the like, and that's but it's frustrating because Pride and Prejudice is so much about that, like, mm. that it feels weird to have this kind of be a weird Pride and Prejudice thing and not value that. And it I think very sexed up Pride and Prejudice, but in doing that, it kind of takes away from Pride and Prejudice being the slow transformation from enemies to lovers, as opposed to this like, well, I guess, whatever. I also, I have these parts of me that kind of like, I don't know if they battle, but they exist in two compartments of my mind. One of which is like the idea of upholding your values, mm-hmm. right? In this, it's like the idea of being a wholesome woman and family and love and etc etc blah 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 and then i have like the part of me that engages with media and really wants like my vices come out i'm just like i want you to curse every other fucking word i want like i i hit this point in my adulthood where i was like if you weren't cursing and drinking like and well you don't have to drink because sobriety is cool but Mm -hmm. like and I don't, God knows I don't drink a lot, but like, I want you to have some humanity in you. I want you to have problems. I want you to get angry. I want you to be happy. I want you to be sad. I want, I want things to happen. Um, and Bridgerton, I feel like, and, but also I want resolution. Like, I don't want to be upset all the time. I want something to feel okay about the conflict. 
There, there's probably we can probably psychoanalyze that, but neither of us have that degree. No, it's for me. It's I always prefer a tragedy because mm-hmm. tragedy has an end. Love stories don't. They keep. They just keep going. People don't like. No, that's the hope. Like, yeah, you hope, or it's a tragedy, like, or I win. Like so, for me, like, it's just not the ending being just t- like, oh, congrats, yay, marriage and a family. It's like no. That's not the end. Like you want, like, like I said, literally the podcast about this love, it's apocalyptic. They're gonna fucking die in like 20 episodes. You need the drawn out like drama because it's more fun than the actual thing. I really love this because I feel like we, we're we bringing in two different perspectives right now where like you're like the lone, like angsty spinster woman. I'm a, I am a spinstress by blood. And I'm sitting over here with my fiance and our dog, like all like happy and in love and like can can love happen? Can love be real? And I'm like have <laughs> I'm like, no, love no. Be free. And that, that and it does come down it's down to like different perspectives mm-hmm. on I'm, I love that. I love that. Way to go for us. Like, so you have you have two you have the, I guess we'll conclude with this. Mm. We've talked it out. We had some conversations that I didn't think we were ever going to have sober. Um, I was like, I'm just trying, I was avoiding them conversations as best I could. <laughs> Becca didn't hide. I would like to say you did a great job. Um, yeah. Well I was done. Kind of bringing my literature, English major. Uh, English minor uh, brain to this being like, you've discussed weirder. You've discussed weirder in classes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. Um, so you got that. And then we gave our our fucks to give recommendation. Um, so I think we'll kind of tie it up with like, take into account like our different perspectives. Um, we both like, I mean, I think you and I absorb pretty similar media. TV shows probably a bit different. Yeah, I don't watch like great. I'm, I'm not a huge TV person, honestly. Yeah. I'm much more of a like. I actually, funny enough, I actually recently just realized I don't like reading young adult fiction anymore. For the mm. sake, I get tired of it. When I'm like, why are you just in love now? Do something interesting. Poke, poke. I feel that. I honestly like. I love the Raven Cycle. I know you love the Raven Cycle, but I, I'm pretty sure I was texting you the whole time. Like, do, when are they gonna fuck? When are they gonna they start swearing? and they yeah. never do and call down the hawk has some steamy scene it, One. It, i started it i finally started it becca um and yeah it, it and that has i mean the raven cycle i think had some cursing but the call down the hawk definitely has more and for me like you don't have to have sex but you have to have some level of maturity like i need to feel like I'm, I haven't totally left the realm where like movies and books about like high schoolers seem inappropriate to me um, because I think that my brain can kind of like conceptualize that like, you know, teenagers still exist, even though I am not one. <laughs> um, but there is like the adult in me that reads stuff or watches stuff with teenagers and it's like, this is so juvenile. You like do something interesting. Yeah. Complete. And it's, and to a certain extent, like the things that interest me and the things that are important to me are different than mm-hmm. what can, what should be important to high school characters. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of it. And I think that's also part of like where a lot of our critiques are coming from for Bridgerton is that 
obviously our values and we are from a very different time. And I think that mm. you, you know, you brought that up in terms of episode six. Um, our perspective is coming from a very different place than these characters would. Mm. Um, and I think it's really interesting that these characters are still somewhat. I think the writers did a really good job of like keeping them in their time, but making them somewhat relatable to our time. Yeah. Like, and I think that's the balance is just finding the different, like making characters that were written to exist. And I looked it up, it is like, actually is like 1813. I thought it was a little later, but it is not. Um, oh, hell yeah. That they oh, were hell. young. That like it's uh, it's written about people in that time, but written I think it's like early two thousands or something, nineties mm -hmm. or something. It's a while, but it's like fairly recent, but still not up to date with like modern views. And so you're really mushing together three different perspectives into one thing, and I think that is where some of the um, disparity arises. Absolutely, and I think that's really what like all of our conversations today have come down to is perspective matters, not just like in the book and the the show but in us reviewing it and all of those sorts of things um i think that's all the time we have for today though we've <laughs> i can't believe we've been talking for like two and a half hours um so thank you becca for coming it was wonderful having you and thank you everyone for listening our five listeners out there you guys are the bomb <laughs> um i hope you have a wonderful week and we will see you next week Bye.